We're back with another episode of Mommy Wines with your favorite wine mom, Emma Dawn. Tune in while she shares her motherhood experiences, introduces you to motivational and empowering special guests, and sips away your sins in the Mommy Wines Confessional. Mom life can sometimes get lonely and overwhelming, so she created this relatable, inclusive, and supportive space for us to be ourselves. Let loose, enjoy a glass of wine, and laugh. Get ready for today's episode. Here's Emma. Before we get into today's episode, I just want to talk about being a working mom for a moment. Before the pandemic hit, I was honestly struggling to juggle it all. Getting up, getting ready, getting Milo up, getting him ready, getting both of us out the door, rushing to daycare, leaving him in the uncertain care of a stranger, then sitting in the stresses of rush hour traffic, paying for parking in the garage of my downtown high-rise office, skipping lunch, and then leaving early just to be able to pick him up from daycare on time. Corporate finance didn't match me as a solo parent, and that's why I chose to build my own home bookkeeping business. You might not be in the exact same situation, but whatever your need for flexibility is, I created the Home Bookkeeper Masterclass just for that. Professional and lifestyle flexibility. My course is now for a limited time being offered for only $99. In this course, I share everything I've learned about building and scaling my very own remote home bookkeeping practice. Enroll now at edjconsultinggroup.com under resources. Hey there. Hi, how are you? Great, great. Well, great to be with you. I, uh, are you having a glass of wine there? I am. I just received this <laughs> um, this mason jar wine glass for Mother's yeah. Day. So yeah. I've been sipping a lot out of that. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think the name of your podcast is kind of fun and cute. So, <laughs> yeah. I, I uh, It has two meanings, you know. Moms, I'm sure, whine a lot about their lives, but we also love to, like, actually whine. So, yeah, a little, little. I'm so there for um, any kind of pun or like cheesy dad joke. <laughs> so it definitely right. fits me for <laughs> sure. Yeah, yeah, great. Well, great to be with you. I'm looking forward to our conversation. Me too. When your booking agent sent me over your bio. I was like, I, I have to have him on the show. And one of the things yeah. I think is really interesting is that I normally don't have a lot of men on the show. Um, yeah. So I think you're going to not only give us some really good insights professionally, um, but just a male's kind of perspective. Yeah. Yeah. Feel free to ask me those kinds of questions, you know, to, yeah, have me comment on some things because yeah, that really is, uh, I think a benefit to, to talk to someone that is not hitting on you, that is not, you know, trying to relate with you, can give you a, an objective point of view on something. Um, so yeah, would love all that. 
So one of the things, so besides introducing yourself, actually, let's go ahead and do that. Let's go ahead and have you introduce yourself to the audience and let them know a little bit about what you do and why you're here. Yeah, well, my name is Roy Biancolana, and I am a certified relationship coach. I'm a nationally recognized expert in the field of attraction and conscious relationships. I've been a TV analyst for quite a long time. I've written three number one best-selling books. Uh, and so I have devoted my life to helping single people discover the things that are blocking them or somehow holding them back from attracting a healthy, sustainable relationship. And I got in this business be <laughs> because my love life was an absolute disaster. Okay? Oh, I, I mean, love so that. I've always been, yeah, I've always been fairly successful professionally, but my ability to make a relationship work with a woman has never is never really been good for me at all. In fact, I mean, tons of drama, which I write about in all my books. But, you know, I was married for 19 years and that relationship became kind of a co-parenting, a co functional, platonic, brother-sisterly kind of relationship, right? Mm -hmm. we, didn't, we didn't fight much. We didn't have sex much. We, we were just like pretty good friends. And that became disappointing for both of us. Um, we did try to fix it, but I don't think either one of us were in the place to do that, nor do I think either one of us really wanted to. So we split up. And then, of course, I did the, I did the things that I tell my clients don't do. In fact, I often joke with my clients, if you just do the opposite of everything I've done in my life, you're going to be pretty good in your relationships. <laughs> because I rebounded into a very highly sexual relationship, right? I went from one end of the spectrum to the other. And at the time, of course, it was wonderful because it's been so long since I had any physical intimacy. Um, but we were together two and a half years. We got engaged and about six months before the wedding, she broke up with me. And that devastated me. Oh my God, um, I can I mean, only imagine. Like, yeah, like a year-long midlife crisis. I think it was everything came to a head. So I had sleepless night, heart palpitations, obsessive thinking. I became kind of a lousy father to my son. I, my, my career started suffering, you know, and, you know, after, after that, of course, I made another huge mistake. I didn't know how to handle my feelings and my grief and so I just joined a bunch of dating sites, <laughs> just started trying to date a bunch of other women. Maybe I'll find some other woman to help me forget that one right now. So that means I really wasn't emotionally available to these new women. I was sort of using them. I didn't know it at the time. I was just trying to survive basically, but I was kind of using them and their company and their affection, their attention to help me just for a while, forget about my ex-fiance who I was head over heels about, right? So you can tell the amount of drama that created because I was relating with women. They thought I was actually available, but I really wasn't. So it was a complete nightmare. And now at the time, if you would have asked me, you know, Roy, why is your love life a mess? I honestly would have said, it's because I haven't found the right woman yet. <laughs> 
Okay. I would have pointed the finger. Oh no, that's my excuse right now. I literally just said that to a friend of mine. She's like, are you having any luck? And I'm like, no, I haven't found the right person yet. Yeah. Okay. So we're going to have a great conversation because that's not the reason in my experience, at least in mine. And I I I love that. I love that you have been there. You've done that you have really dove into making this a professional life for yourself and that you're also on the other side of things, you know, like you're going to have that male perspective that I can't understand because there's been a couple of things that you've said already where I'm like, really, do guys even really care about that? Like when you're like, Oh, I was so heartbroken over my ex fiance. I'm like, I've been an ex-fiance and then when they moved on super quick, my thought process was they don't care about me. I'm glad it didn't work out when, you know, you've just kind of proven that you were invested and you did care. And that's why you did what you did. Right. Certainly I could see why you would interpret if your ex moved on right away, um, that that would mean he really didn't care about you. That could be true. But in my case, I tried to move on right away. I mean, within two days, I was going out to a bar trying to meet a woman, you know, and I joined dating sites right away. But for me, that was because I was in so much pain. Um, It it was my, it was like taking Advil for a headache. It was, I was doing whatever I had to do to kind of distract myself from that. So on the outside, I guess my ex-fiance could have thought, well, boy, he moved on in a hurry, but I really wasn't moving on. I was just trying to distance myself from some of the, the pain that I was feeling. Um, but at the time, I, I really was pointing the finger. You know, my ex-wife was this. Oh, my ex-fiance was that. All the women I mean online, you're all crazy, right? I, it never <laughs> occurred to me. <laughs> this is, it's so funny to say this now. But it's it never so true, though. Me. There are people right. out there who definitely think that. I, I was the common denominator in all of the pictures. And it one day dawned on me, maybe it's me. I mean, maybe not to say that the women I was involved with didn't have any issues. I mean, they're human. They have issues. But it really was an epiphany for me to wonder, maybe I've got some blind spots. Maybe I've got what I call relationship personas. Maybe I've got some unconscious beliefs or commitments. Uh, maybe I've got some things blocking me. Maybe, you know, and so that realization, along with a friend getting in my face saying, <laughs> you need to talk to someone unless you just want to keep experiencing one bad relationship after another. And so I hired a coach. And I spent two years with her. And I do think there's some benefit of working with an opposite sex coach. Okay. At least in my case, it was because I had issues with women. And with a woman coach, I was able to sort of practice a more authentic version of myself with her, even though it wasn't a sexual relationship. She's still a woman. I'm still going to show up either trying to impress her or be honest, either, um, you know, coming from my heart or playing some sort of game, right? So it was really beneficial for me to work with a a woman coach. 
And that was so transformative for me because about, I worked for about two years with her, which is a long time in coaching, right? Therapy can go on forever, but usually my therapist recommended that because I started going back to therapy because I was like, you know, co-parenting with my, I guess you could call him an ex is just not working. How can I make it better? Or I need to do this for my son. And before that, I hadn't been in therapy for any other reason outside of just like my family being total batshit crazy. Um, So, and like one of the things like that she, and I always felt comfortable like expressing myself and doing all these things with a woman. And she's like, you know what I think would really benefit you is to talk about these issues that you're having with a man, with a man. And I'm like, no, no way. Like, (laughs) I'm not going to talk about this stuff with a man. You crazy. He's going to look at me and think I'm crazy. Like every other guy thinks I am, you know? And she's like, no, I honestly think like if you spoke to somebody who could like relate on the level, you know, like, I think it would really benefit you. And I was like, well, maybe. And I tried it. And I had eight sessions with him and he was incredible. Obviously, I think, you know, don't just pick up any random man out of your life and like start confessing your deepest struggles to him. But like a professional is a different thing. Like you're saying, like you saw this woman on a professional level and because she was of she could relate to the similarities that you were struggling with that it helped you and it helped me too. And that's like one of the things I was thinking of was like, it, I I don't know. It, it, It did. I was so resistant to the fact that my therapist was like, you need to talk to a man. I was like, yeah, no way. Like, first of all, I'm one of those women who are like, women can do anything. We're, you know, whatever. I'm like, not like a feminist, but I'm like an alpha female type. And for her to be like, you need to talk to a man. I was like, you're a quack. There's no man that's going to help me. I can help myself, blah, 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 blah. Uh, (laughs) But when I did and I sat down and I kind of surrendered to the process, it it really did help me see things in a a completely different light. And though it didn't help the relationship I have co-parenting with my son's dad, it did help me see men on a completely different level than I did before. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think part of what happens, I was just talking to my son the other day, my son's 26. Okay. So, and he's really wanting to meet someone now. He's not in that, you know, fraternity boy, hit it and quit it phase. You know, he, <laughs> he's wanting to meet someone and, you know, he was, he was sharing with me that he meets quite a few women and he can sense that because he's a good guy. I mean, I, I know he's my son. You think I'm bragging, but he's got a good job. He's got a good heart. He's got his shit together. I mean, the guy, the guy's handsome as hell. I guess it from his mother, I think. I don't know. But <laughs> he's, he's, a, he's from what I talk to women about, he's what women are dreaming about. Like a guy who's grounded. He wants a relationship. He's not an idiot. And he meets women and he notices that when he's showing up and being himself, he can tell that they, they think he's faking it. Mm. Like 
you just want to get in my pants. Like, in other words, like you can't be for real. Now, the reason women feel that way is because there's been so many moron men in the world that have slimed women over and over and over again. To but also, point- if he's 26, is he dating younger? Because there's so many times I've heard that women don't, what, what, what is it? Their mental brain doesn't fully develop until 27. Yeah. And so I if heard he, that about men, but if he's, I think, I think men is like 43. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. I hope not. I'm going to be single for so long. Um, yeah. But if he's 26 and say he's even dating a couple years younger, which that is a very common thing up until recently, I've been like, oh, I could never date a guy younger than me. I always have to date older. Mm-hmm. Um, so if he's at that age and he's thinking the same thing that I thought when I was 26, he's probably dating two to three, maybe four years younger. And maybe they're just not there because when I turned 27, well, it was also the same year I became a mother. So when I turned 27, my entire thought process completely changed. I was so much more secure with who I was. And I think one of the things women do, especially in dating, is they project and they act out. At least that's what I used to do. And if somebody is coming to me, you know, and I have this thought of like, oh, they only want to get in my pants or whatever, whatever. I can fully admit I will raise my hand to that any day that I used to project so much when I was younger. But now, like, I don't know, after I turned 27 and I started to like really feel comfortable in my own skin and my own life and in my own, just my own priorities that I had laid out for myself things really started to change. So I think like he's in that age of just having to, he's going to have to suck it up like all of us did and date around, maybe date older, maybe tell him to try to date older. Well, right. No. Yeah. So there's, he's not having any difficulty. The point I was making is that many women find it difficult to open up and surrender and trust and be vulnerable with a man because they've been hurt so much in the past that they want to guard themselves and, and protect. Now, I don't know what age he's going after. I do know that he is interested in a woman who's got her shit together and has a career and and is a, a woman of spiritual and emotional depth. So I wouldn't be surprised if, um, if he's interacting with women that are older than him. I, I don't, I don't think the age matters to him. At least I hope it doesn't because the whole age thing is mostly driven by ego, especially when it comes to men. Um, and I, I hope that he recognizes that, you know, at three o'clock in the morning when the shit hits the fan and your life is, you got something going on. It doesn't matter that person laying next to you is younger or older. It matters the kind of person that she is, you know? So, um, but what I was saying is I just recognize that women have been treated, I think, in large, not very well to where it does make it difficult for them to show up in the world with an open, available heart, Mm. right? We could talk a lot about trust. There's, there's two basic perspectives on trust and they, they, they really determine 
the outcome of your love life. What most people do, and this is because they've been hurt, is they start from a place of, okay, I want to get to know you, but I don't trust you. You're going to have to prove yourself to me over time. Like I'm here, I, I want to get to know you, but I don't trust you. And you're going to have to show through your actions and your attitudes. And then maybe I'll open up and trust you once you show that you're worthy of my trust. That's what most people do. That will ruin your love life. Absolutely ruin it. And I'll tell oh you why gosh. in a minute. But totally. The other, the other way, the other way is to deal with your baggage, to deal with the pain, the betrayal, the things that you've gone through, that we've all gone through. We all have scars and wounds from our past relationships. To deal with those and let those go to the extent that you can meet a new person and say, I trust you. I absolutely trust you until you show me I shouldn't. Right. Now, the difference is monumental because when you start with your arms wide open, like I trust you, I'm open, I'm available, I'm vulnerable, I'll be playful, right? I'm not suspicious of you. I, I'm not guarding myself. I'm not putting a wall up. I'm not going to slow this relationship down more than it should be slowed down because I'm afraid you might have an agenda. No, I'm going to trust that you're a good person. And when you're in that attitude, that's when you're the most attractive to a good man. We need to take a short break to talk about my favorite wine company that gives back. And that's One Hope. I'm proud to say and celebrate that One Hope Wine has reached over $6 million in donations. That's crazy. One Hope's award-winning wines are made by some of the most acclaimed winemakers in the industry, blending traditional winemaking methods with modern techniques. Each exquisite bottle becomes a catalyst for change. One Hope's commitment to high-quality wine is as important as their commitment to the causes they support. Through the sale of every bottle, One Hope has donated over $6 million to impactful causes around the world. They have built a school in Guatemala, funded over 19,000 days of clinical trials for breast cancer research, planted a forest in Indonesia, provided over 3 million meals for children in need, and found over 80,000 pets forever homes. If you're going to sip, then sip with purpose. They even just released the new tasting flights, mini bottles for you to have your own wine tasting right at home. Shop, ship, sip, one hope at onehopewines.com backslash my shop backslash mommy wines. Link is in the show notes below. But most people have been hurt and they haven't done the work of letting go of the past. So they, they go into the world and they're meeting people from, oh, I'm not so sure about you. You're going to have to earn it. You're going to have to show me that I can let my guard down. Okay. Now, when a good man is engaging with a woman like that, he can feel the wall. He can feel that it's like, come, 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 stay away, stay away. He can feel the resistance. He can feel that you're holding me responsible for what the other guys have done. And a good man will never put up with that. Like I've never seen 
I've never seen a good man bring a sledgehammer on a date. I'm gonna break down your walls. I'm gonna, right? He's just gonna say, wow, I don't feel you opening up to me. I, I feel resistance. I feel your guard. And, and no judgment, but it's like, hey, that woman over there, her arms are wide open. She wants to play, right? And so by holding on to your pain and not doing the work of letting it go so that you can have that open, available heart, you chase away the good guys and you attract the men who, for some reason, want to try to break down your defenses and so forth. And then you get into real trouble. So this is probably the number one issue that I deal with with my clients is helping them come to the present moment with a clean emotional slate. It doesn't mean you forget what happened to you. It just means it's not still alive in you. Like in my book, Relationship Bootcamp, it's right there. I have, I have three books. They're all around my head. <laughs> um, in my book, I, I have this phrase about the past that you want your past to be something that happened versus your past is something that's happening, mm. meaning it's still alive in me. I'm still hurt. I'm still reactive. Um, I'm still guarded, right? So I just rarely meet a person that doesn't have some baggage like that. So it's not wrong. It's not bad. It's just the baggage stands between you and the person that you would like to be with. So if you can clear away, you know, like the sun is always shining, right? But the clouds block it. So yeah. you can't see it. And sometimes it gets really dark, right? So when I work with clients, we're not talking about where do you find someone? Where do you go? How do you approach? What do you say? We talk about how to remove the stuff, the barriers, the blockages, the baggage that's keeping the sun from shining on your face, right? <laughs> it's keeping love from flowing because love is the nature of reality. And if it's not happening, somehow you're blocking it. And, and, that, and that's, that's me right where now. I would... Yeah, that's where I would come back when you said, I just haven't found the right man yet. I would say, mm, um, perhaps there is something unconscious that you're unaware of that is attracting certain dynamics or no dynamics. I don't know what your life situation is, but there might be something that you're doing to attract the wrong men or no men that you're just not aware of. And that's what I learned when I worked with a coach. Cause I, I thought that it was all their fault. And she's like, eh, <laughs> let's, let's, let's work on you. And, and I started to discover that, yeah, I had some serious barriers and blockages. Like it was like, no wonder why you got into these dynamics because you were coming with a certain kind of energy that was just attracting that. And as I changed me, then the women that started to show up in my life changed completely. See, I yeah. hope that happens, but there was something you said back a little while ago about breaking down walls. And I feel like as a woman, there are so many things, rom-coms, Lifetime TV, our parents, <laughs> yeah. all of this stuff, right? Yeah. Who teach us that the right man is going to be the one who's going to push through. He's going to keep showing up. He's going to keep showing up and showing up and he's going to, you know, dodge every bullet you 
you shoot at him and he's going to break down every wall you put up. But as I've gotten older, I'm 31, so I'm not quite there yet. But as I've gotten older and I've experienced relationships and I've always kind of been a a serial monogamist, Mm -hmm. um, I've never really dated around. And in my past, in the episode that I just had, um, we were talking about how me and that guest had never had a hoe phase. And I'm lucky for that in many ways, but there are some things like with my friends who have, who they're just like on a different understanding of men that I am, because I've always been in a a long-term serious relationship. But Mm -hmm. one of the things I've noticed is that the men who continue to dodge these bullets, who break down those walls, they're not looking at me as a person. They're competing with themselves in some kind of challenge. And one of the things I've realized recently is that I've dated a lot of narcissistic men. And I feel like those are the men who are going to take your challenges and run with them. They're the ones that are going to dodge the bullets. They're the ones that are going to look at the next competition. And then when you stop competing with them, or even if they stop competing with themselves, you're going to be in this situation of what is our relationship? They don't know me. They are just here for the quick, the thrill of drama or passing, you know, beating the boss, getting to the next hunt, that kind of thing. And that has been a huge majority of the relationships that I've been in until I started doing the work on myself, overcoming a lot of childhood issues. Um, And I was also raised by a single mother. So it was just me and her. And I feel like now as a single mom, I'm bringing in a lot of that same thing. And back then I kind of wished like my mom would date. Cause I'm like, well, she, it gets her off my back. You know, she stops bugging me, (laughs) but I realized like now that I am a, a single mother, I'm like how much work really goes into And I I look at me and my son as we're building our relationship. And I feel like one of the things that I don't do enough is I I don't like put that to bed to focus on myself. I'm working so hard on building my, and and now I'm dealing with this whole other situation of being this kind of entrepreneurial alpha female that isn't quite attractive to a lot of the, I feel like attractive to a lot of the men in the West where I live. I live here in Nevada where it's a lot of mining, a lot of ranching, a lot of just very old style, traditional men. Uh, And me being the kind of person that I am Mm -hmm. on top of focusing so much of my energy on building this relationship with my son I'm like, where does that leave me in the terms of dating? Like, I don't want to leave him in a situation where he doesn't have a positive male role model in his life. Mm-hmm. But I'm like, but on the same side, I'm like, I don't want to take away from him, you know? So dating as a single mom has been extremely challenging in my right. situation. Yes. And you already have a son that does change things. It changes your availability. You just can't pick up and go whenever you want. Um, 
yes, you come as a package deal now, right? And oh yeah, we're a BOGO at, bundle. At, <laughs> and, at and at 31, sometimes men at that age may not, some of them may not be ready to take all that on, but that would just be the men that aren't right for you. There are plenty of men that are pretty solid. But I do agree with what you were saying there. There are messages in the world from the rom-coms and Disney and all that stuff that the, you know, the man will fight through all the, the coyness or the resistance or all the stuff, the drama that a woman can give and just keep coming. And I find that in the real world to be the exact opposite. Oh. I think you just described that. That Any audience men. who's listening out there, just raise your hand. Are you listening in your car? Are you listening on YouTube when you're cleaning your house? Whatever you're doing, just raise your hand. Because one of the memes I put out today on my Mommy Wines podcast Instagram was Ariel. And I thought about when I saw that today, because I schedule everything. I don't have time to post every single day on social media. Yeah, sure. <laughs> but I was thinking back and now that we have Disney plus I've been rewatching a lot of the movies that I used to watch as a child mm -hmm. and as like a, a primary schooler and a middle schooler. And I'm looking back and I'm like, Ariel was a fish and her Prince Charming waited for her to get legs. And then I'm like, what man is going to wait for me to get legs? <laughs> nobody they're gonna be like yo dude you're a fish i'm just gonna catch you and throw you back in the water and move on with my day like there's so many unrealistic like opportunities i feel like that are taught to us as children yes could not agree with you more and when you say that you've attracted some of the narcissists and i do think you're exactly right the narcissist will sort of enjoy the hunt, enjoy the challenge, but then it's sort of like, it's like going, going fishing. You, in, you enjoy trying to catch the fish, but then once you get it on your hook, I'm throwing it back. Yeah, you're done. You throw it back in because the water. Because you can be addicted to the process of getting into the relationship and breaking down the walls. And so and because of that, there were years in my life where I would just be like, men are the problem, men are the problem, men are the problem. But then when I started to look inward and I started doing the work on myself, I'm not saying that there's not problematic men out there because I work with them course. every day. Um, <laughs> yeah. uh, as a financial consultant, I definitely work with problematic men all the time because they don't want to take my advice. I'm young. Yeah. I talk like my voice makes me sound like I'm five years old and they don't take me seriously. It's whatever. Nah. Um, <laughs> but I'm like, when I started looking inward, I really started to find that like, that is what I'm putting off. Like what they are just getting the thrills on is what I'm putting out there. Absolutely. Beautiful. Then once I started to heal and once I started to just really find out who I was. And I didn't real, I didn't start doing that until probably I was in a relationship after my son was born. I started dating him when my son was around one. And once that relationship failed and I realized the impact that it had on me for the first time and the impact that not only it had on me, but on my son 
because my son was like obsessed with his family, obsessed with him. Um, they had such a connection. And when that relationship ended, I really saw what it was like, like outside of myself for the first time. And that's when I was like, you know what? I don't want the mistakes I made in that relationship to kind of bleed over. I want to heal that wound and move on from it and then just show up better than before. Because Back in the day, I used to be like, oh, men are crazy, men are jerks, men are assholes. That's I was doing, same thing, yeah. And then in that relationship, that's the relationship that really made me, and now that I look back on it, I'm not pining for that relationship. That relationship wasn't going to be right for me regardless. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was mature enough to see the mistakes that I made and how I could have made things different. Yes. And I, oh, it takes so much time and effort and like real self-comfortability to do that kind of work on yourself, not tooting my own horn, but I'm like, yo, just so you're prepared. (laughs) in, In reality, difficult breakups, they can either crush you or create you, right? So when my ex-fiance broke up with me, I was a disaster, but it was the best thing ever happened to me because it made me look at myself, right? It drove me to say, what's going on here? And that has changed the whole course of my life. So I am so grateful for that relationship. And it sounds like that relationship, it ignited something in you to change your focus from men are assholes to, well, maybe some of them are, but I got to work on me. Right. And, and, and in my terminology, because I've written a book called Relationship Boot Camp, okay, I talk about getting in relationship shape. Like you have seven relationship muscles. And if the muscles are strong, you're going to be preparing yourself for a healthy, sustainable connection. If they're weak and flabby, then you're setting yourself for, up for more drama and repeating patterns. Okay, wine moms, let's get serious, but just for a moment. For years, I have been dreaming up and working on putting together a nonprofit program to aid the youth aging out of the foster care system. Recently, I submitted this idea to the heads of the Department of Child and Family Services here in my state, and thankfully, my program was approved. They saw an overwhelming need, and the Sterling Lives program is now moving forward. But to make this a reality, we will need more than the little bit of government funding allocated for these youth. Most of these youth aging out will face homelessness, addiction, incarceration, or worse. At best, many continue the cycle of negativity by entering into criminal organizations and gangs, or abusive relationships that result in unwanted pregnancies, poverty, unsafe work trades, leading to even more children entering the foster care system and families living off government welfare. To break these chains and end the cycle, the Sterling Lives program is dedicated to helping aged out youth transition into healthy, productive adults, granting youth eco-friendly and affordable housing, safe work opportunities with flexible schedules to prioritize mental health, education, and job training. 
all while boosting America's rural economy with sustainable, environmentally focused tourism. Ways you can help are by snagging up some MWP merch, drinking One Hope wine, and donating directly at the Sterling Lives GoFundMe. All links are in the show notes below. Wine Moms, I have a confession. Coffee is one of my major food groups. <laughs> Having my son home with me all year through a pandemic, expanding my home bookkeeping practice, EDJ Consulting Group, getting my nonprofit program, Sterling Lives, approved, beginning to homeschool, starting sports, getting roped into being a coach. It's honestly what keeps me going and retaining the little bit of sanity I have left. Coffee over cardio is my go-to lifesaver. It's owned and operated by female entrepreneur Abby Scott, and it's all carb-free, sugar-free, keto-friendly, and gluten-free. With super fun flavors like birthday cake, cinnamon bun, French toast, vanilla hazelnut, my favorite, and so many more, you honestly can't go wrong. Coffee Over Cardio has all your coffee accessories like tumblers and frothers, creamers, and my must-have hydrate you can add to coffee or water. Upping the flavor and hydration with electrolytes. Abby is seriously a genius. Get 10% off when you use my code 10 Dawn and free shipping on orders over 85. Once again, that's code 10 Dawn, and the link is in the show notes below. So your getting into relationship shape is one of the things that really popped out to me when I was reading your bio. When your booking agency sent over your one sheet, I was like, oh, I have to hear about that. Because after I had my son, obviously my body changed. And as a woman, that can kind of be like a little bit hard to accept because you have this idea of what you look like back in your prime when you're 18, 19, 20, 21. And here I am 30. 30, well, 31. And I'm like, what? I don't look like that anymore. But I'm like, also, that was so long ago. Um, so I kept making these excuses of, you know, if I just hit the gym harder, I'll find the guy I like. Or mm. if I do this, if I start wearing makeup every day, I'll find the guy I like. Or if I get my hair done professionally, I'll find the guy, you know? And it doesn't matter how much time, effort, energy, or funding you put into it, I feel like if you're not mentally there, you're not going to find the guy. Right. Right. Yes. I mean, first of all, I, I, I hear that and I, I completely understand that. Our culture overemphasizes a woman's body to the point where it's easy for women to have their whole identity wrapped up in that. And then as you have children and you age, since that is being told to you that that is your calling card, then you just feel like, 
And I think that's why a lot of people like in Hollywood in their 50s and 60s are doing all kinds of plastic surgery and sometimes with bad results because they're trying to still play that game. And I, so I totally get that. And part of that we men take responsibility for because we, we define what we want in a woman so much by physical characteristics. And that is a certain kind of guy that I would recommend you not go out with and date. <laughs> find a guy that that is going to recognize you are going to get old and things are going to move gravity's going to affect you and it's going to affect look at me i got the freaking gray hair i got okay so um i, I just dyed happens. mine so <laughs> yeah, yeah. i used to make my hair not be gray and then i just said you know god all right so so what you can control in some sense you can't really control the aging process you, you should work out not necessarily to find the guy, but just because you want to be healthy and you want to be good to your body. I mean, there is something that we could talk a lot about doing everything to find the guy. It gets you in kind of an obsessive mindset. Instead of loving your life, living your life, doing things that, are, that you want to do, because when you're in that space, it's a healthier kind of energy. And I, I think more attractive to a deeper kind of man. But the part that you really can control is how relationally fit you are, right? And so there, I call these these seven relationship muscles. They're actually relationships you have inside of yourself. There is a relationship to your mind, that voice in your head that gives you all kinds of awful advice, usually, <laughs> if you listen to it. You have a relationship to your emotions, right? Your heart and your emotions. You have a relationship, we talked about this, to your past, okay? If it's ongoing, you're in trouble. If you're letting go, you're in a better place. You have a relationship to what I call your inner truth. Like, what do you do with, with, your, with your emotions, your thoughts, your wants, your feelings? Do you reveal them? Are you transparent and open and vulnerable? Or do you conceal or withhold? or tell half truth, or somehow play the game a bit, right? So there's a relationship to your truth that is fundamental in the kind of relationship that you attract. And then there's a relationship to your inner energy, your aliveness, your feminine radiance, you know, whether it's blocked or flowing, right? There's what men can't resist is a woman who is, how do I say this and not have it sound really when a woman is experiencing pleasure in her body, the, the life force, um, it's irresistible. It's like you can watch a, a, a chocolate commercial and the woman eats a piece of chocolate. And it's like, oh, it's like she's having an orgasm, right? It's like, <laughs> like, any, right? like any Toblerone or Dove chocolate well, commercial. Right, right. So most, most women, because... Well, they got, they've got careers and they, they've got kids and you, you, you get into the flow of life and you lose track of, I'm a woman. I want to cultivate aliveness and pleasure in me. I, I want to cultivate the joy of being because when I see a woman who's got that going on, <laughs> right? <laughs> Versus a woman who's walking down the street with a briefcase in her hand and she's like focused and stoic and walking like a wooden robot 
and she might be making millions, but it's not the same as the woman walking down the street and her hips are just moving and she's taking in the environment and she's alive in the moment. It's like, oh, I mean, so cultivating the juiciness that can get sucked out of you in the normal everyday life. That's an incredible part, not just to get a man, but because it's your birthright to feel alive as a woman. And then there's the muscle of what I call your relationship to love itself. Like many of us grow up in homes where we get messages. Like when you're a child, your mother and father or your caregivers, whether you like it or not, you're drawing conclusions about, well, this is what intimacy is. This is what relationships are. And you can come out of that thinking, well, sounds to me like it's about power because dad was dominant and in charge and mom was submissive and never stood up to him. Or relationships about compromise or relationships are about performance or um, uh, uh, perfection. There's, all, there's In my book, I have seven or eight of them where I list. And so you come into life thinking like, well, that's what a relationship is. And so if you're like this alpha woman and you grew up in an environment, well, relationships where is about, well, man's dominant and woman's submissive. You'd be like, I don't want any part of that. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, but is that true? Do relationships have to be that way? I know you saw that growing up. So we have to examine our love stories sometimes and let them go. I'll give you one quick example. I was working with a client a couple of years ago. This was, she was like 42 and I'm talking, she was a knockout. Okay. I just like ridiculous. And her love life wasn't going anywhere. Guys hit on her all the time. Um, and she'd go on dates, but nothing was becoming committed and evolving and going forward. And so one day we're talking, you know, just during a session and just offhand, she says to me, yeah, when I was like 14, my parents went through a divorce. Oh my God. She says, oh, it was a nightmare. They were fighting like cats and dogs. It was ugly. It was terrible. And, I, and she said, you know, well, I remember telling myself back then, I'm never going to let that happen to me. Mm. And then she just kept going in the story. And I was like, whoa, 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 back up. Like, Beep, 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 back up the truck. So what, at first fight, she would be done? Well, yeah, she was, she made a declaration at that moment mm. that I'm never going to go through a big, bad breakup. Now, what's the best way to not let that happen? It's just to Don't not get into a relationship. <laughs> yeah. So I told her, I says, you know what? Maybe your love life isn't going forward because you're afraid of it going down the tubes and getting ugly because that's what you witnessed. And for like five minutes, she couldn't speak because I, I had, well, not me, but we had got to the nut of the issue for her. And so then we talked about, okay, that was your family, but does it have to be that way? I mean, you know, is it, are you going to assume you're going to have it fall apart and be ugly? And she's like, no, I know a lot of people have good relationships I know, but you, you almost made a statement to the universe. I'm never going to let that happen to me. So I think it was maybe three months later, she met some guy and they've been together now. I think it's almost four years. Aww. Right? It, it's these kinds of things that I do as a coach to help people see what they're not noticing and how 
that was sabotaging her love life the whole time. And she really didn't even recognize it, right? So it's these muscles, your mind, your emotions, your inner truth, your past, your, your, your energy, your relationship to your love stories, even your relationship to reality. Like, here's a good one. Most people, when they're single and they're, you know, they're really wanting to meet someone, they see their singleness as a problem that needs to be fixed. In other words, they're not in a place where it's okay, I'm, I'm single and I'm fine. Life is fine, right? There, there's a kind of a resistance. It's a problem I gotta fix, I've gotta fix. So when you're in that mindset, your energy is, first of all, you're in resistance to what is. And there's kind of a level of unhappiness or a level, level of disappointment which turns into kind of, since it's a problem that I've got to fix, you can become, you can try too hard in relationship. You can come on too strong. You can maybe not pay attention to some red flags because, you know, I've, I've got to be in a relationship. So your relationship to the reality of this now moment, if it is in resistance rather than acceptance, will make you unattractive. Right. The more that you're like, there's an old Bible phrase, right? This is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. The more that you are trusting that you're right where you're supposed to be, having the experiences you're supposed to have, there's nothing wrong. You're not a leper. You're just single. The more you can be okay and not let your mind tell you, well, what if I never meet some? What if I'm 90 years old and I'm an old maid? That's that voice in the head that just shut up. Like you don't know the future. You don't know if you'll be alive in a week from now, much less whether you're going to date someone, but you can be like, you can be happy right now. I don't have a problem that needs to be fixed. I love me. I love my life. I'm right. And so when you're in that space, you're your most attractive self. It's like women, you hear stories all the time of women who are really having trouble getting pregnant right? They can't get pregnant. Can't get pregnant. They're trying, they're trying, they're trying. Finally, they say, F it. I don't care. We're going to adopt a baby. And they, they go through, they sign the papers and two weeks later, she gets pregnant. Like, why is that? <laughs> that has actually because happened some... to so many of the wine moms that are in the yes. mommy wines community is they have fertility issues what? or during COVID they're like, well, we have nothing else to do. We might as well just get drunk and <laughs> whatever. And now they're <laughs> They're 26, 30, yeah. <laughs> 18 weeks well, pregnant. The, I'm like, well, you were in social distancing. That the angst and the effort and the resistance to not getting pregnant affects the body's ability to just flow. And the minute you let go and say, all right, I give up, all of a sudden the body... So it's the same thing. The more you're trying to find someone, the more I need a partner, this is a problem, I'm lonely. And you have all of that effort and angst in you, you put out an energy that is just not gonna be attractive. But the minute you say, I'm done trying, I'm just gonna live my life. I'm gonna love who I am. I'm gonna, I'm gonna be playful. I'm gonna do my thing and do things I love to do. And, and everything I do is not gonna be, where do I meet some guy? Where do I go? What do I? No, I'm, I'm just not, I'm not going to be on the prowl anymore. I'm just letting go of all of that. You're going to be your most attractive self 
and I don't, I can't promise you what's going to happen, but you're going to be felt differently in the world. And so these are some of the things that I work on with my clients, not about where do I go on Saturday, but <laughs> how are you sabotaging yourself and how are you creating barriers and how are you, um, you know, I want to come back to something you just said earlier about being an, an alpha woman and you're out there in the West, okay? Right. Because I'm guessing that even though you're a strong woman, you're looking for an alpha male. There's something in you that I'm on a man who's strong. He knows what he's doing. He's committed to something. He's got a job. He's got, a, he's got some self-confidence. He, he kind of knows where he wants his life to go. Right. I'm guessing that's what you're interested in. And it, it, it totally is. And it took me a long time to realize that I am this alpha male when it comes to my business, when it comes to my mm -hmm. goals, I pursue yeah. them so viciously that like you might as well just get out of the way. Um, yeah. And I never really had awesome. that kind of um, domestic kind of personality trait. I've always been somebody who's been extremely motivated. I'm, I can't just sit down and hang out. I have to be working on some kind of project that fulfills me. And it's kind of funny that you want to come back to that because that is something that I get called out on all the time <laughs> is, but like when I'm in a relationship, the second somebody starts submitting to me in a relationship aspect, I'm checked out. Mm -hmm. I'm like, cause either you need to match my energy and like, but it's this whole delicate balance that I have a problem working on. And, but like, I, and I do, I, I chase those alpha males. But one of the things I've realized is that somebody who's extremely alpha on the outside, even though they might look tough and act tough and, and talk tough, they're not always walking the walk. I feel like sure. men are more sensitive than we give them credit to be. Absolutely. And when somebody is so extremely outward alpha, they're not always really that way on the inside. Mm -hmm. And yes. that's and, and when I when I speak of alpha, I'm not really talking about like an at, attitude, a bravado, a kind of a macho. I'm talking about there's an inner energy about a, a, a man who really is in a masculine essence, that his focus is on his mission and his purpose. He brings a great deal of presence and a great deal of clarity to who he is and what he wants and where he's going. And I find most women find men very sexy when they have a clear destination in mind they know kind of who they are they know what they want they're not they're not living in their mother's basement eating cheetos you know watching <laughs> playing video games they they may be successful they may be not but they are on their edge you know they're 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 doing something and you feel like oh i can trust that guy because he's he's got his shit together in some way right now that guy He's not looking for a waif of a woman. He's not looking for a woman who's a damsel in distress. Um, but he is looking for, he, he is looking for someone who will trust him, who will 
sort of go on the dance floor with him and let him lead you around the floor. Let him feel into where, he, where does she want to go? You know, what, what, what is her energy? Where, where's her heart? And let me, let me move us. So there's a sense in which the masculine person in a relationship loves to bring a kind of a guidance. I, that, that word is not, but a kind of a directionality. And he's looking for someone who will trust and not say what they want or not give their own opinions on things. But, and I don't want to use the word submit. That's a power word. Maybe vulnerable or surrender in a sense, right? And so the danger is in your business world, what you're, you're animating a lot of your masculine side to kick ass and take names. You're a single mother. You got to be both sort of mom and dad. You've got a budget and structure and you've got to have discipline and you got to do your homework. I mean, you've got to bring all that and your nurturer, your caregiver, your, your mommy, right? At the same time. Oh, definitely. Right. So you've got all that. The, the, the challenge for women in today's world, because the culture has really championed women kind of animating their masculine side. I don't need a man. I can make my own money. I can do my own thing. You're, you're, you're living in a house, you're, right? I don't really need a man, which is great. But then you get, you, you, you almost bring your business alpha male persona on a date, right? And it's like, he's going to respect that. He's going to, you know, I would, totally respect you. You're raising a child on your own. You got what, three businesses or something you said. It's like, wow, I respect her. And a nonprofit, but, Sterling but, Lives. Go donate. Right, a nonprofit, right. <laughs> right. But in our, in our personal life, would she, would she dance with me? Would she, in other words, are your balls bigger than mine? Uh, that do you is wear the, the pants per- better than I do? And that's this, and this there's a dynamic so hard problem. Through. It's such a delicate balance yeah. that I've been struggling with too, because, and like you said, I do, I do wear these masculine hats and I do play these roles that I've had to fit myself sure. into. And when it comes to a relationship, I feel like, especially now that we're in this whole world of online dating, where you write this, you know, paragraph bio about yourself. And, you know, I look at, like, I've gone into my online dating profile and I've changed like what I'm looking for. I'll say like from a man to a woman, just so I can see women's profiles on like what they're saying. Right. And mine looks like a resume because that's the way my mind works. I'm like, okay, well, this is what I do. This is my hobbies. This is like where I put a lot of my energy and it looks like a resume. And then I look at these other women and I'm looking at them and they're like, oh, I like to hang out by the lake. And I like to take really long walks with my dog. And I'm like, seriously, (laughs) mine looks like a respond to that. Mine looks like a, like a, like a business proposal <laughs> and theirs. Yeah. And it's so funny because well, my- those are two ends of the spectrum. Those oh, are two ends of the, the online. Definitely. I help my clients with their profile sometimes. And yet yeah, you're describing, yeah, your can be like a business resume. And then you've got the other one. That's like, I like to dance and have a glass of wine and go to the beach. Uh, okay. <laughs> Who doesn't? The, but there is something. There is something 
you have a gift. There is something that you have to give to a man in intimacy that he can't get from anywhere else in his life. He can't get it from his dog. He can't get it from his friends. He can't get it from his therapist. He can't get it from his parents. There is, there is something about you. If I was working with you, I would want to help you identify what is your unique gift in intimacy? Why would a guy, this guy that you're interested in probably has a pretty full life. He's doing things. He's on purpose, right? Why would he change pretty much his entire life and put you right in the middle of it? There's got to be a, something oh, that you offer him. I would die to find that out. That is so valuable, right? Well, well, maybe maybe we should work together. The whole separate <laughs> maybe, thing, but maybe but, we should. But that's that's the question. Once you can identify that, we write that in your profile, and then that guy reads it and is like, "It's not a business resume. It's not the shallow drivel that most women write. She's like talking about what, how she can." make my life better. And she's asking, she's telling me what, what, what I need from you. Right. So now the, the profile is much deeper. It's from the heart and that will chase away the mediocre morons, but that will speak to a good man online because trust me, there are guys that are online that are just clicking through profiles they, that's a, they, they all say the same thing. Uh, you know, I want to go to the beach. I like to dance. I like to have fun. I like to laugh, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> this deeper man is looking for someone to make a life with. Something, someone who would challenge him, but also inspire him to be the best version of himself. Well, you got to say something to catch that guy's eye that is different, right? So that's a piece of what I do with my clients to help them kind of get what is it about you that, yeah, would make a man say, I'll do anything to put her right in the middle of my life? Because you do have it. And that's one of the things that I've been kind of thinking of, because after I, that relationship that I was in ended and I started doing a lot of the work on myself, I had this whole thought process of, you know, I don't really need a man I'm perfectly capable of supporting and fulfilling my own self, but now it's kind of shifted as I've done more work on myself. And it's not like, like COVID was kind of nice because I really got to spend a lot of time working on my inner self because I had nothing else to do. (laughs) Uh, there, There literally was nothing else to do. But now that like, that's kind of wrapping up and I've done the work and I'm now transitioning into this phase of, I might not need a man. And that might've been a lot of the energy I put off, you know, in the past of, you know, I don't need you. And then it kind of probably scares them away because they're like, well, if you don't need me, then why am I here? But then I'm now into this phase of life where I'm comfortable on my own. I don't need you, but I want you. And that's kind of where I'm at now is like, I want that partner. And one of the things is, is when you're in business, especially where I'm at in finance, I don't really get to be vulnerable that much. It's very logical. It's very by the number. And I've, I'm realizing that that's one of the things I'm missing in life is like, I just want to have 
like a comforting conversation. I just want to be vulnerable with somebody. Yeah. And I don't know. That's kind of like where yeah, I'm at. About, you know, I talk about emotions and feelings more than numbers and data oh, and financial plans. Right. I'm, I, I'm, I'm literally a bookkeeper. <laughs> so right. that's my entire right. life. Um, right. But it, right. it, it's draining right. and it's tiring. And even though it is financial, like, there are, you know, business conflicts or like conflicts that I have with clients or whatever, or even just friendships. Oh, there's been a lot of like personal friendships that have struggled over the past year because of the pandemic. And I'm just kind of left on my own. You know, I'm, yeah. I'm left to find a new show on TV by myself. I'm left yeah. to drink a bottle of wine by myself. And it's like, do yeah. I want to drink the whole bottle? Probably not. Do I sometimes? Absolutely. Would I like to share it with somebody? Sure. Yeah. And it, it's just like one of those things that like I'm starting to realize now that I'm getting really comfortable with the work yes, that I've you're, done on myself. You're, you're, you're describing what I would call a healthy yearning. You're recognizing I don't need a man to complete me or take care of me, but there's a, there's a yearning for his presence for, yeah, just his humor, for his body, for his very self. And you want to cultivate the yearning. You, you, it's, an, it's a painful thing to feel like, to, almost to feel the loneliness, to feel the longing. It's easy to want to distract that and have another glass of wine or something or do something or create activities in your life to, to not feel that. But oh, it's that, it's that yearning. I just corked want. it because right. I was like, uh, I'm feeling a lot of feelings right, right. now. So I don't want to drink another yeah. one. <laughs> that's, that's very, that's, that's precious. Just you want to, you want to cultivate that sort of painful yearning, that longing, because when you're in the grocery store and you're feeling that longing and you look over there and he looks at you. He's going to see the yearning. He's not going to see the girl that says, I don't need you. Because if he feels that, because a man really does want to, in a sense, take care of a woman. He wants to, he wants to feel like I have something to offer her. And if she's like, there's nothing you have that I need, then he's going to feel that in your energy. But if you're recognizing, I, no, I don't need him for money. I don't need him to, you know, I, I'm a, I, I can take care of me but I do need his presence. I, I do need his consciousness. I, I, I do need him. And I'm yearning for a deep man. I'm yearning for a deep man. When that's cultivated and then you make contact, eye contact, he's going to feel that. That's attractive. The, I got it together. I don't need you. I can make more money than you and probably kick your ass if I had to. <laughs> that, that, that he'll respect you but he's not going to want to come get you. Right. But when he feels your heart's open and that yearningness. So part of what I do with my clients is how do you cultivate that? There's practices, there's breathing practices. There's, there are sexual practices. There are all kinds of things to cultivate that heart opening that will attract a man of some depth, right? If you want a shallow man, just, Show some cleavage and he'll hit on you, right? <laughs> but a shallow man's a shallow man and he's not going to be a good father. He's not, 
I mean, you're, you, you have a life that's not, you're not 22 anymore. This ain't fun and games. You've got a child, you have a business, you have a home. I, you know, I'm looking for a man who's ready to go here. I don't, you know, I don't need a frat boy anymore. Right. right? So you want to be moving an energy that is not attractive to a frat boy, but it is attractive to a man who's at that place where he's done with all that and he wants to go deeper. And you attract him by not trying to find him, but by cultivating that femininity, that yearning in a way that, that just, it's, it's, it's sort of mystical. It's just, it just happens. It, it's an, it's an energy. It's like, I'm, it's like magnet. It, it's a, the power of the feminine is incredible. So uh, anyway, I don't know how much longer we have, but <laughs> I, I, I did want to let people know about a special free thing I have for them. If, if that's okay. Absolutely. I'm not going to make you confess. We normally do confessions on this show, but I feel like you've given me so much free coaching. I'm not going to make you confess. Yeah. Um, but I'll confess never- to anything. If I've done it, I'll tell you. <laughs> Definitely share with any offers you have going on and where people can get in touch with you because I do have so many single mom listeners and I'm sure I'm not the only one who feels the way I feel. So share with anybody out there listening where they can find you online, social media, and what kind of offerings you have. Well, yeah, first of all, my website, coachingwithroy.com, that's the easiest way. Um, and since I, I talk about getting in relationship shape, if you were going to go to a gym and hire a personal trainer, the first thing they might ask you is about what are your goals? What do you want to accomplish? And then if they're any good, they're going to run you through some assessments to see where you are now. You know, where are you strong? Where are you weak? And then once they have your a current profile on you, they can design a plan to get you in shape. Right. Sounds well, right. Since I'm a, a relationship trainer, uh, mm-hmm. I want to get you in relationship shape. I've created a self test to where you can take it and get results on your current relationship fitness level. Ooh. Right? So it's like a third. Yeah. Right. Right. It's if you want to buy a house, you want to check your credit rating. Absolutely. Because if your credit rating isn't very good, you want to raise the credit rating so then you can buy a house. So if if your current relationship fitness level needs a little work, and most of ours do, okay, um, you want to find that out because then you can, you can, well, I could put a plan together for you to help you get in shape. So the fitness test, it's on the front page of my website. Uh, I think I even sent you the link. Maybe you'll have it in your show notes. Yeah, I'm going to leave it in the show um, notes. Yeah. Yeah. It's a 30 question, true, false thing. It takes like four minutes to take it, but it is frighteningly accurate. Okay. And be honest. It will break it down into five. Yeah. It's five categories. You're going to either be relationally ripped. Okay. So they're all kind of workout terms. You'll be skinny, fat, overweight, unhealthy, or the level that I and my wife were before we did our work long before we met each other. The category is dangerously out of shape. I took my own test from the mindset I had back in the day when I was a mess. And of course I flunked it. I I was not in good relationship shape. Okay. So I created that and you're going to get your results. It's absolutely confidential. Even I don't see your results. 
Okay. But you get your results, what category you're in, and you, it comes with recommendations. Like, I'm not going to give you a diagnosis and then send you on your way. Oh, you got <laughs> cancer. See you later. No. If you, if you need to get in better shape, I've got recommendations on what to do. But I think knowing your vital signs, maybe you need to know your blood pressure and different. You need to know your credit rating. I think you really need to know how ready am I for something real? Because you just never know when you're going to bump into somebody. Right? I, I, I'll, maybe I'll close with this one little quick story. Imagine you want to run a triathlon. You're a crazy person and you don't own a car. So you're going to you know, do a triathlon. Okay? <laughs> and imagine I'm a triathlon coach, which I'm not. Um, but you want to do well in the triathlon. So you've hired me to help you you know, do well in the triathlon. So we sit down and we talk and you start asking me all about the day of the race, right? How do you survive the water and then the transition to the bike and then the running and where, how much do I eat? How much do I drink? Where do I slow down? Where do I speed up? Right. And I'm sitting there as a triathlon coach thinking, are you in shape for this? I mean, you're asking me all the things to do on the day of the race. But if you stand on that starting line and you're out of shape, you ain't going nowhere. Okay, That's true. That is the same thing in your love life that you're going to be on a starting line tomorrow, maybe today, sometime. The starting line is you're standing face to face with a potential partner, whether it's online or just through the course of life. If you're not in shape, it's not going to go the distance. So you want to make sure that whenever life decides, like I went to a personal growth conference, I sat down next to the prettiest girl in the room and I married her. Right? It, I, I wasn't online. I wasn't looking for her. I just said, well, I'm going to sit down next to the prettiest girl. And we started talking. It was a random meeting. She didn't live anywhere near me. We just came to the same personal growth conference. See, so that's going to happen to you. You're, you're going to Life is going to do strange things. You just want to be sure I am ready if that happens. And so take the relationship fitness test, get your results. If it says you need some work, do the work. Now, yeah, do the work. And that's what I do, right? So hopefully you choose me. If you don't choose me, fine, go <laughs> somebody and, you know, learn to deal with that voice in the head, those emotions, your inner truth, you know, all the stuff we've been talking about. I just can't encourage you enough to find out where you are because we do one of two things, right? If you're an egomaniac like me, you'll think, oh, I got no problems. Oh, I'm in great relationship shape. That's what I thought back in the day. And of course it was not true. <laughs> Other people though, they're all negative. I'm the worst, I'm horrible, I'm unlovable. Everything's my fault. Well, that's not true either. You wanna get, what's the, what's the reality? You know, how, how relationally fit am I? And with that information, you're loaded then to put a plan together to get yourself in a better place because you never attract a relationship that's healthier than you are. That's yeah. true. Or, you know, who knows, maybe there's other females out there who are like me who went through such a long phase of like, oh, I don't need a man. To now, you've wasted all of that time. Not that it's wasted, but now I'm like, man, now I'm in the point of my life where I kind of wish I was a man or had a 
a partner. And now I'm, I feel like I'm kind of starting from zero when my ego totally yeah. got in the way of all that time I could have been working towards finding a partner. You know, maybe I wouldn't have been feeling the way I am now, but there you go. Go lay down. Uh, I, I just say, let all that go. It is what it is. And you never know when you're going to bump into someone. You, you never you know. You never know. Yeah. Yeah. I really enjoyed this. This has been really fun. This has been great. I'm so glad I had you on the show. I, yeah, I don't get yeah. many men on the show, but I think right. your perspective yeah, thank you for having me. was and, great. And by the way, I, I have my own podcast, by the way. It's called the Attracting Lasting Love Podcast. So we are, um, we're uh, colleagues, I guess, in a way, you know, so <laughs> totally. I have a blue, I have a blue Yeti microphone myself right there in my, yeah. in my drawer. So yeah. Yeah. Oh, I love yeah. this thing. When, when yeah. it said it was uh champagne colored online, I ordered it instantly off. of. <laughs> yeah, it fits your brand, right? Yeah, I love that. <laughs> Well, thank you for having me. And I, I hope we've given some people some good stuff to think about. Oh, I, I am sure we did. I think this is going to be an episode that is going to be very overwhelming for the, for the comment section. And thank you so, so much for being my guest today. Thank you for having me. Yeah. All right. And enjoy the rest of your Sunday. Okay. Take care. Bye-bye. You too. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Mommy Wines Podcast make sure to leave a rating and review. And don't forget, if you're listening on YouTube, to give this video a big thumbs up and make sure to subscribe. And feel free to share this episode with your friends. Be like, hey girl, just listen to this super awesome and relatable podcast from Mommy Wines. Here's the link to the episode. Have fun. You know. And to support the show and keep it growing, snag some MWP merchandise available at themommywines.com. You can also find all of my wine gadgets and my favorites right there under the shop page. For even more tipsy content, follow Mommy Wines Podcast on Instagram. On IG, I go live with real wine industry professionals. I try new sips, connect with all of you wine moms, and share some pretty funny memes if I do say so myself. All sponsor info and links will be available in the details below. So until next Wine Wednesday, mamas, parent and drink responsibly.